Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is going on, 49ers faithful? Welcome to a special edition of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Network. I'm your host, Peter Panacee, associate editor of NinerNoise.com. And uh, boy, here on a uh, Tuesday, (laughs) just before the league new year kicks off on March 16th and just after the 2022 NFL scouting combine. You might just say is a little bit of news on this Tuesday as we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, of course, just me flying solo right now. Robert Morrison is out, but we'll be back here shortly and probably I'll have a good deal to talk about then. But with what took place across the NFL um, today, it only feels necessary to jump in on a special edition of the podcast and break it all down for you, our loyal listeners. But before we do that, just a little bit of housekeeping. If you don't mind, if you enjoy the Niner Noise podcast, either what myself or Robert Morrison have to say, the occasional guests we're able to bring on from time to time, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, give us that five-star review, leave us comments, and uh, be sure to share it with all your 49ers family and friends. We surely would appreciate it. Helps the podcast grow and helps us reach new audiences and uh, makes us feel good about what we're doing. So anyway, <laughs> back to business. Kind of quiet news front today on uh, Tuesday, right? <laughs> Here we are, this uh, this early portion in March where pretty much you're just talking about combine stuff, but then again, you get into the running of some other little news bits, cap casualties, franchise tags, and that's kind of the norm. Well, not so much today. And of course, unless you've been living under a rock, you're fully aware of the two biggest quarterbacking dominoes in what figures to be a total offseason carousel of quarterbacks like no other in recent memory, well, those two dominoes fell 
Well, one fell within his own team and the other fell, well, completely out of the conference. Now, the biggest news, of course, that started off the morning, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he's coming back on a reported four-year, $200 million deal that will make him the highest-paid player in NFL history. Uh, this news first broke by Ian Rappaport and also the Pat McAfee show. Interestingly enough, though, the, the contract figures on, on Rodgers' deal reported by Rappaport was initially <laughs> rebuffed by Pat McAfee, and you can go check that out on Twitter. But nevertheless, even Aaron Rodgers came out and said that, yes, he is returning to the Packers. And that puts to bed all the speculation as to what Aaron Rodgers' future was going to be. Was he going to retire? Did he want his way out from Green Bay finally? Uh, You know, if you listen to this podcast for any length of time, you'll be fully aware that the Rodgers saga certainly has gotten old. And I can't think of too many players who love to make the narrative about themselves so much than Aaron Rodgers has the last few years. And considering that Rodgers got this new deal, he's not going anywhere. Uh, much ado about nothing. You know, a lot of talk, 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 talk that really has gone on for you know, you know a full year now. And even perhaps more dating back to when the Packers uh, drafted quarterback Jordan Love in round one of the 2020 NFL draft. So, you know, what that means for the Packers, what that means for Jordan Love, hey, guess what? That's that's not too big of an, an impact on San Francisco, right? The only thing that truly matters is the fact the 49ers have beaten Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs four out of four times. <laughs> so, uh, in that light, you could look at the Packers who were entering the offseason well above the salary cap, I believe close to $20 million above the salary cap. We're going to be facing some pretty important decisions as far as their roster is concerned, likely some cap casualties there. Uh, it's safe to say the Packers probably aren't going to be anywhere close to as good a team in 2022 as they were in 2021. Now, again, that's potentially where it impacts the 49ers over the long term, who might be looking at Green Bay as a potential obstacle once the playoffs roll around. Of course, both teams have to get there. And the 49ers have their own questions with regards to Trey Lance taking over under center. Uh, But nevertheless, as far as the long-term projection, it certainly is interesting. And if you're a Packers fan tuning into this podcast, hey, welcome aboard. Sorry I had talked to your quarterback a little bit, but you are on a 49ers podcast, so deal with it. In the immediate future, however, it's going to have an impact on one Jimmy Garoppolo, whom the 49ers are going to be actively trading. And right away, thinking about the quarterback market heading into the offseason, just a quick recap if you're not totally familiar with it, it's a bad year to need a quarterback. All the options in the NFL draft aren't all that great. You know, I mentioned this before. I was talking to an ACC scout I know, and he was thinking that none of the quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft have the signs of being a true franchise centerpiece. You know, maybe a modest starter at best, perhaps some you know high-level backups down the road, but nobody of real high quality. The free agent market stinks for quarterbacks. And so when you looked at a player like Rodgers as someone who could be had if the Packers indeed wanted to move on, he was going to be the first major domino to fall. And it almost feels as like that happened to happen before the rest of the quarterbacking trade moves took place. Which, if you're one of those teams in need of a quarterback, and in need of a quality quarterback, that might have been your only option. So, of course, Rodgers is off the market. He's not leaving Green Bay. 
if you were a team like the Denver Broncos, who we'll mention here in a couple of seconds, uh, you might have been a potential favorite to land Rodgers through a trade. After all, the Packers' former offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, he headed over to Denver to be their head coach. So that would have made sense. But Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Cross off one quarterback potentially made available. Now, just as you were absorbing that news, which was big considering all the stuff we've had to hear about Aaron Rodgers over the last few weeks, you couldn't even get settled before you read the next massive blockbuster. And this one, of course, has so much more of an impact on the 49ers. And yes, I am talking about the Seattle Seahawks trading away Russell Wilson to those said Broncos. Hot damn. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would love to actually sit back here and, and see the reactions on both 49ers fans and Seahawks fans' faces when they first came across that news. And, you know, it, it, probably the best reactions were, of course, on Twitter and Instagram, just taking a look at what everybody thought. And if you're a 49ers fan, you have to be overjoyed at it. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, you know, if, if you're a fan of another NFC West team, you're like, hey, cool. <laughs> the division just got a little weaker. Um, that's fine. You're probably overjoyed with it. If you're the Broncos and you couldn't land Aaron Rodgers, hey, guess what? You're probably pretty happy with that, too. We'll talk a little bit about it from, from both Denver and Seattle's perspectives as well. But I want to bring this back home to the 49ers and specifically what it means for them, not just over the course of what this rivalry in the NFC West will be, but as far as moving Jimmy Garoppolo too. That's obviously going to be a massive, massive key cog in all of this heading forward. So one might have argued that the 49ers were going to have difficulties moving Jimmy Garoppolo insofar as the availability of Rodgers and Wilson was in question. You know, if, if those two quarterbacks were potentially going to be made available through a trade, uh, it would be very, very tough for the 49ers to sell Garoppolo to another one of those teams in the market for a quarterback, knowing fully well that he just had shoulder surgery. And reportedly, that was today. Again, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Uh, that was successful. It went fine. He should be back in time for training camp. But a surgery that just tacks on one more thing in what's been a pretty lengthy list of injuries over his starting career. A little bit of a red flag. You're also trying to acquire a 30-year-old quarterback who at best is good, <laughs> not great, not elite, nowhere near sniffing the kind of category that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are in. Everybody knows that. But those two big dominoes falling, and especially Russell Wilson, going from Seattle to Denver, takes another big quarterback off the list. And that's going to be very, very significant moving forward here. So again, as I've mentioned, the 49ers market to trade Jimmy Garoppolo during the NFL scouting combine, you know, and a lot of business outside of just watching prospects run around and do drills and spandex. A lot of executives are there. A lot of agents are there. You know, there's a lot of talk that goes behind the scenes. Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff that happens. Anyway, you had to think that once these dominoes fell, it would be a lot easier for the 49ers to try to move Garoppolo, despite it being a relatively cold market. Now, I think we could still cross off any kind of notion. The 49ers are going to get some lofty trade package in, in, in return for Jimmy G. 
let's just not assume that. If the 49ers wind up getting a second-round pick in exchange for Garoppolo, that would be an absolute steal. That would be a haul. You'd be happy with that. Third-round pick, maybe a little bit more realistic, and it could be something where you're looking at a, at a, at a, at a trade that would be you know, a fourth-round pick and maybe a future fourth-round conditional pick that could turn into a third-rounder if Garoppolo stays healthy and plays, you know, I don't know, what, 75% of the snaps for his new team. It wouldn't be surprising if that's kind of your bottom-line deal. But what's good about Russell Wilson getting traded for the 49ers right now in terms of being able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? is Garoppolo essentially becomes the best remaining quarterback available on the trade block. You look at some of the other potential options out there and and, and, and teams that might want to move on from their quarterbacks by the way of a trade. The Indianapolis Colts reportedly could be looking to move on from Carson Wentz. General Manager Chris Ballard has said (laughs) multiple times, you know, he's not going to speculate on who's playing under center next year. It's not exactly an endorsement of Carson Wentz. Uh, you might see a team like, oh gosh, the Minnesota Vikings try to move on from Kirk Cousins. They're kind of in a bind with him. Maybe the Atlanta Falcons. They try to move Matt Ryan uh, in what could be considered a pretty wild rebuild that's much needed as the Falcons are kind of one of those mediocre, not really going anywhere teams that is hindered, you know, hindered by a lot of bad contracts for aging, underperforming players, it's hard to say. Now, Matt Ryan might be a little bit better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but considering the age factor and that Ryan's probably playing his last two, three years in the league, considering the fact Kirk Cousins is, well, probably slightly less a performer as far as Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) in comparison is concerned, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure that there's any other better option for a quarterback Uh, if you're going to have one through a trade. Now, I already noted the free agency market. It's kind of interesting to hear that Mitchell Trubisky, who's going to be a free free agent after his one year with the Buffalo Bills, was kind of garnering a lot of interest. Makes sense. If you're a team that just kind of needs somebody under center, Trubisky, he's not going to cost you anything in terms of draft capital. Uh, But (laughs) what kind of Trubisky you're going to get, I have no clue. Still, It's good for San Francisco's prospects to move Jimmy Garoppolo now that Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are both off the table. You know, they're untouchable now. You know, even if you're a team like the Washington Commanders (laughs) that was interested in potentially making a move for Russell Wilson, and reportedly they were uh, in on the market willing to offer up multiple early draft picks over the next few years to bring in Russell Wilson. According to reports, and you have to forgive me, I don't have it right in front of me, so I can't recall exactly who it was. Actually, it might have been Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated. If it wasn't, forgive me, but it might have been Albert Breer reporting this. The only reason the Seahawks turned that down is it was their desire to trade Russell Wilson out of the division. But nevertheless, your team like Washington, you had no chance at landing Aaron Rodgers because he was going to stay in Green Bay. You tried to go after Russell Wilson, and you were aggressive in doing so, but Seattle wanted to trade him outside the conference. Suddenly, if you're Washington, you're looking at your next best options, and they're running out. So I would be, I wouldn't say shocked, but I would be surprised 
if the 49ers weren't able to move Jimmy Garoppolo over the next few days leading up to the start of the league new year. Because remember, the 49ers are still a shade above the $208 million salary cap. Not by much, but they need to get underneath it. And they also probably want to re-sign some of their key players. Lake and Tomlinson. DJ Jones would be up there. Uh, Jaquaski Tart. Maybe the Niners want to be you know, modest players on the free agent market too. And so that Jimmy G trade, of course, it can't be done officially until the start of the league new year, but at least agreed in principle. If that's able to go down right at the beginning of the league new year, that frees up over $25 million that the 49ers are willing to spend. All the arguments about keeping Jimmy G in a Niners uniform into 2022 literally centered around that above all else money, right? <laughs> if the 49ers you know, wanted to keep Garoppolo, they would have to lose a pretty good chunk of their team, quality players, uh, just to make sure that Garoppolo stayed. And let's be honest, for a middle-of-the-road quarterback who's often injured in the wake of the Niners' 2021 move up in the NFL draft to grab Trey Lance, no. <laughs> just, just let's live in reality here for a little bit. So anyway, that's going to be one of your main impacts from this whole deal is it should make the Garoppolo market a lot more favorable. The 49ers have to be overjoyed with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson now off the market. Of course, Rodgers back with the Packers, Wilson with his new team. And uh, we'll get into the Wilson move and what it means for both Seattle and what it means for the Broncos going forward. But Let's explore the bigger picture as far as as the significance, the impact of this blockbuster trade that went down between Denver and Seattle. I mentioned the 49ers have to be ecstatic that Wilson is gone because it helps drive the Garoppolo market. But let's consider the fact that no single player in recent 49ers history has delivered more grief to Niners fans than Russell Wilson. And it's not even close over the last 10 years, right? Ever since Wilson broke into the league in 2012, he has owned San Francisco. I mean, just hands down. It's not even worth trying to argue against that. Wilson has a 17-4 and career record against the 49ers, and that includes one playoff game back in January of 2014, we won't mention. Uh, but yeah, 17-4 and against the 49ers over his career. That's dominance. That is absolute, complete, unabated dominance over a division rival. And even when the Seahawks haven't been great, we can look back at last year's team as a perfect example. Uh, only the second time the Seahawks missed the playoffs during Wilson's tenure there. The first time during his tenure in Seattle where the Seahawks finished with a sub-500 record. That alone was, was substantial enough to to just understand that the 49ers should have beaten the Seahawks both times last year, right? <laughs> There's that, that, that one game at Levi Stadium where the Niners had shut out the Seahawks for the first two quarters, I believe, but the Niners couldn't do much of anything on offense, and then things just completely started to fall apart in the second half. And then the 49ers going up to Seattle and just multiple gaffes and Wilson doing Wilson-like things. I, my gosh, <laughs> that's just, it's, 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 it's a level of dominance that, that the Seahawks and Russell Wilson have had 
over the 49ers for years, including sweeping the season series. And yes, of course, you know, you look back in hindsight and say, well, the 49ers still made it to the NFC Championship game. That's great. That's wonderful. Hey, what do you know? Um, but again, the Niners' path to the playoffs would have been a lot easier if they had won at least just one of those games against Seattle. So you think about all of those moments where Wilson has somehow pulled off some miracle. I mean, it felt literally like every week, not just against the 49ers, but every week you look up at the scoreboard and you see the Seahawks trailing by, I don't know, 18 points with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then, boop, up, gosh, okay. Now the Seahawks are trailing by 11 points. What do you know? Oh, okay. Gosh, something weird happens. <laughs> Recover a, f- a forced fumble on defense. Boom, they score another touchdown. Oh, hey, now they're only trailing by, got to do my math here, what, four points. And, and, and then they score a touchdown again. Wilson throws something with, you know, five seconds remaining in regulation. You're just like, gosh, that just always happens. How many one-score games have you seen the Seattle Seahawks win over the years? A lot of them against the San Francisco 49ers. It seems to just happen a lot. And I can't think of too many other players in 49ers history that have held that kind of dominance, that kind of arch rival, top villain nemesis more than Russell Wilson. And it's probably a generational thing. You know, back in the 1970s, it was probably Roger Staubach of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, You look into the 1980s and maybe it was Lawrence Taylor. You go into the 1990s, uh, the first half of the decade, Troy Aikman, probably a top villain. Last half of the decade, Brett Favre, another villain. You get into the, well, the, the 2000s, the 49ers were mostly terrible, but then you get into the 2010s, who was it? It was Russell Wilson who was the, the, the 49ers' arch rival. You know? and, and, and now, that era is coming to a close. And look... If you're a Seahawks fan tuning into this podcast, yeah, guess what? You can brag. You can be like, hey, last 10 years, you guys have sucked, <laughs> right? You guys are terrible. We owned you. We owned you. La, 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 all that sort of stuff. Hey, guess what? You know what? Fine. Allow us 49er fans to gloat a little bit. We're happy to see that finally come to an end. And all you need to do is just type 49ers and Russell Wilson into Twitter right now. Hit search. And you can see some of those reactions. We'll put some of those reactions up on Niner Noise just to kind of give you a little bit of uh, of fun. I do have to say from uh, <laughs> from the tweet perspective, uh, the two best tweets I have to say that that, that came out with uh, in the wake of of the blockbuster trade, the Denver Broncos tweeting out from the famous movie, of course, Castaway, starring Tom Hanks, where he's got the volleyball. And he's drawing the little face on it and naming it Wilson. That was the Broncos tweet. Fantastic, right? I thought that was an A plus, A plus GIF, you, you, uh, GIF usage right there. Shortly thereafter, the Seahawks, from the same movie Castaway, the same characters, Tom Hanks and Wilson, your famous volleyball, when the ball floats away and Tom Hanks is swimming in the water trying to go rescue Wilson, but he can't. And he's just yelling, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. So, hey, hats off to the Broncos and Seahawks uh, social media teams. You made me laugh. I'm sure you made a lot of other people laugh too. But I think deep down, 49ers fans are laughing. The rest of the NFC West is laughing because we're finally seeing that end of an era that so many Niner fans, especially 
wanted to see come to a close with Seattle moving on from Russell Wilson. So again, I, I mentioned that I wasn't just going to make this all about the 49ers. Yes, it's the 49ers podcast, but last time I checked, there's 31 other teams in the league. And in one way or another, every single team is going to be impacted by this. Uh, think about it from Seattle's perspective. Kind of an interesting move, but one that I probably would guess I'd respect in a way. Now, Seattle, you kind of saw the crumbling, falling apart slowly over the years, right? The dismantling of the Legion of Boom. Earl Thomas is gone. Marshawn Lynch hangs him up. Uh, Richard Sherman switches sides and comes over to the 49ers. But Russell Wilson kept him relevant, kept him in as a playoff contender. And even though the Seahawks would only typically managed to get to the wild card game, maybe the divisional game. That was still a lot more success than what the 49ers had during that stretch. But now, with that coming to a close, you think about what the Seahawks are going to do going forward now. Now, uh, Wilson's trade wasn't the only notable move Seattle made on the day. Of course, they're parting ways with perennial all-pro linebacker Bobby Wagner. And with that, the Seahawks now have zero players remaining from that Super Bowl victory uh, a number of years ago over the Broncos. So in that regard, you have truly seen the end of an era. Now, the Seahawks do get a pretty sizable haul in return from the Broncos. So Denver, they get Russell Wilson, of course, and they also get a Seahawks fourth-round pick, fine. Uh, The Seahawks get two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, quarterback Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fan. Out of all the players there, you're probably looking at Noah Fan as the most impactful, really good, young, up-and-coming tight end. But here's where things get a little weird. So I'm not exactly sold, <laughs> and I don't know if you would be, that the Seahawks are going to be content with letting Drew Locke, quarterback who flamed out in Denver, prompted the Broncos to, to go after Teddy Bridgewater last year, if he's going to be anything close to the guy, even a stopgap, the guy, until the Seahawks can kind of figure out what direction they want to go. And, oh, yeah, Pete Carroll apparently isn't going anywhere either. At 70 years old, you kind of have to wonder if he wants to oversee another rebuild. Maybe he does. Maybe he wants to put together a situation where he can leave the Seahawks in a good situation, you know, a rebuilt post-Russell Wilson era. I don't know. You know, you have to ask him. But there's a part of me that wonders if the Seahawks are going to get a little crazy here going forward. And the reason why I bring this up, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, the same media personality who who helped break the Aaron Rodgers news, also reported tonight that Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson's legal situation for his off-field allegations of sexual misconduct, that could potentially be resolved fairly soon. And if it does, and also if the league decides it's not going to act on any of this with any sort of suspension, I have no idea what the league's going to do anyway. But if in the event Sean Watson somehow becomes available, and it still absolutely seems as if the Texans are done with Watson, they just they want to move on, he doesn't want to be there, they probably don't want him there anymore either, could you potentially see the Seahawks saying, look, we've got a ton of, of, of draft capital and, and, and some players now, and a lot of cap space in the wake of this deal, to go after someone like Deshaun Watson. Now, that would be provocative. 
And again, it would tip the balance of power back in their direction within the NFC West. I can't help but speculate that's a possibility, but I'm not going to go anywhere as far as saying it's a probability. There's a very real chance, especially with some of the overwhelming needs that the Seahawks have at sort of the base levels, the offensive line, the pass rush department. Uh, now with Bobby Wagner off the off the off the docket at linebacker, the secondary still needs some upgrades. That Jamal Adams trade is looking worse and worse every year. I can't help but think that the Seahawks are maybe just going to try to ride this one out for the next year or so and then try to figure out their direction. General Manager John Schneider, you know, again, he hasn't been afraid to make these kind of, uh, I won't call them a paradigm shift move, but a massive move uh, when he felt that the players on the roster weren't going to be a part of a restructure or rebuild future, right? I mean, you saw that with Richard Sherman being let go a few years ago. You saw that with Earl Thomas being let go. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Seattle going forward. It is really going to be provocative with them. And I'm sure every 49er fan out there just wants the Seahawks, their fan base, to go through, you know, three, four, five years of suck, right? And if you see some Seahawks reactions on Twitter, you'd think just the whole thing came crashing down around them. And truly it has, you know? And I can respect that in a lot of ways. No other figure in Seattle sports history has done as much as Russell Wilson. And I say that with all due respect to Mariners' all-time great Ken Griffey Jr., right? One of the sweetest swings in all of baseball. Griffey never brought Seattle a championship, though. Russell Wilson did. And Wilson put Seahawks football not just on the map, but squarely on the map. I mean, as 49er fans, you'd appreciate this. For a number of years, the Seahawks were a powerhouse, right? And then, of course, during the heyday of the 49ers-Seahawks rivalry, going back to the Jim Harbaugh days, almost, gosh, 10 years ago. (laughs) It's hard to think it's 10 years ago. But going back to those days, that was must-watch football across the entire league. When you watch the Niners and the Seahawks battle it out back in 2012, 2013, that was must-watch football. It's all over now. That's all changed. So I can understand and certainly respect Seahawks fans' heartbreak in the wake of all this. But, of course, all good things come to an end. I'm sure every Niners fan is is sitting back saying, look, had to go through it with Joe Montana a long time ago. And then when Steve Young got knocked out you know, against the Cardinals, that, you know, another black moment in, in, in Niners history. Niner fans think about that 2015 offseason in which everybody on the 49ers either just departed or or retired. And, and in walks Jim Tom Sula. Hey, all right. Maybe it feels like that for Seattle, but it sucks for them. I don't think you will find a single Niner fan who is feeling sorry about that, though. So anyway, it'll be interesting to watch what the Seahawks have to do in in response to all this. Uh, You know, who the core leaders of that team are going to be going forward. Obviously, if you're DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, their top two wide receivers, you're looking at this transaction and thinking, great, I've got Drew Locke, this underperforming draft pick coming in trying to throw me passes yay (laughs) that of course is if the Seahawks don't really do any sort of splash moves blockbuster moves for a player like Deshaun Watson we'll see but anyway it's the end of an era and I'm sure it's an era that 49er fans are happy to see come to a close now again I wanted to mention that I was going to get into a little bit of how this affected the Denver Broncos 
And the reason I say this too, and I won't say that I've got a soft spot for Denver, but I do have a number of friends and, and family members who are, are, are passionate Broncos fans. And, and you know, I have family out in the Midwest, in, in, in Colorado and Wyoming and in, in Montana, all of whom are, are, are diehard Broncos fans. And and we talk about you know the relationships that the Broncos and, and 49ers have fostered over the years, especially recently with the connections between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, but you look at this move from Denver's vantage point. It was absolutely a must-do move getting Russell Wilson. Now, the interesting part that I read, and again, you're going to have to forgive me because I forget who, who, who tweeted it out. This was much earlier in the day, and I didn't bookmark it. I should have. But one of the reports came out that said Broncos general manager George Baton, uh, he was locked in with the Seahawks in discussions for Russell Wilson for quite some time. This wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to the Aaron Rodgers news. It wasn't as if the Broncos were trying to go all in on Aaron Rodgers and then, oh, gosh, he's staying in Green Bay. You know, option number two, let's, let's call up the Seahawks. Hey, we want Russell Wilson now. Apparently, this deal had been in the works for a while. And so if you look at it from the Broncos' perspective, you do have to think about a roster that really does have a lot of talent across the board at almost every other position. A very good, young, up-and-coming offensive line, solid run game, two excellent wide receivers in Corton Sutton and Jerry Judy, a really good pass rush with Bradley Chubb, good linebackers, really good secondary, one of my favorite cornerbacks <laughs> from last year's draft in Patrick Sertan. Uh, you, know, you have some, some playmakers there. And you've got a great offensive mind in Nathaniel Hackett, who's going to hopefully bring the Broncos out of where they've finished the last two years, and that's last place within the AFC West. And so right now you're seeing a very big arms race in that division. And you really do have to say that it's predicated by what the Kansas City Chiefs have done. Obviously, being in AFC Championship games seemingly every year, going to two Super Bowls, winning one of them. Again, we won't talk about that game. But the Chiefs are the cream of the cream as far as teams that could go on a dynasty hunt. That doesn't mean they're going to win every year. But they're a powerhouse, and they're going to be a powerhouse as long as, as Patrick Mahomes is there. I, I don't think that's that's debatable. And then, of course, you have teams like the Los Angeles Chargers who are trying to get to that point. Now, the Chargers are a flawed team, right? The offensive line still needs a little bit of upgrades. That defense, extremely porous, especially up front. But Justin Herbert's the real deal. He is an exceptional quarterback and probably one of only a handful of these young up-and-coming quarterbacks who in time, maybe this upcoming year, maybe in two, would be able to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. We did see that in that primetime game between the Chargers and Chiefs last year. It was epic, right? I mean, that was an epic game. Almost as good as, as the Bills-Chiefs between Josh Allen and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, too. But nevertheless, the Chargers and the Chiefs, they're right there as far as top contenders for the division. The Las Vegas Raiders, of course, probably sizable losers from this Wilson to Broncos deal because Derek Carr, I mean, I I respect what he's done and the way he and the Raiders responded to last year's mess with, you know, John Gruden being dismissed and the tragedy involving Henry Ruggs. The Raiders bounced back nicely, winning those four final games to close out the regular season, getting into the playoffs. But 
even if the Raiders are kind of, you know, it, it, the fourth best team, at least at quarterback, as far as comparing the others in the AFC West, they're still there. They're still a contender. And the Broncos, finishing last place again in the division for back-to-back years, they had to respond to the arms race. They had to go all in on somebody. And considering how bad the Broncos' struggles have been at quarterback ever since Peyton Manning retired after that Super Bowl win a number of years ago, this was going to be the move that put them over the top. That was going to put them into a situation where they would have the opportunity not just to contend within the division and not just to get out from the cellar of the division, but to put themselves squarely in the top of the AFC contention. Now, of course, if you look at both conferences right now, the AFC and the NFC, there is a disproportionate amount of talent over on the AFC side, under center, in comparison to the NFC. I mean, you look at what's going on over in the AFC. I mean, I mentioned Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. I'd fully expect to see those three teams in in the AFC playoff picture. Now you can put the Broncos in that mix because of Russell Wilson. You know, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, they've got to be part of the mix too. And, oh, yeah, hey, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, yeah, they're just in the Super Bowl, right? And if the Bengals fix that offensive line, maybe get a little more stout on defense, there's no reason to believe they're not going to be right back in the mix too. The AFC is going to be a gauntlet. And so that's going to be a tough road for any team looking to come out of that conference and make it to the Super Bowl. So again, if you were going to be the Broncos and you wanted to not only compete within your own division, but make some headway within the conference as a whole once the playoffs roll around, you needed a Wilson-like player, hands down. So even though Denver gives up a lot, I mentioned those two first-round picks, two second-round picks, Noah Fant, uh, a really good tight end again, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, whatever, uh, you had to make that deal. And they're still primed to be a very, very, very good team that is now far more complete. Of course, all this is great news for the 49ers again. Like I mentioned, the NFC... Yeah, Aaron Rodgers stays, but let's think about the level of quarterbacking on this conference, right? I mean, you're looking at the Super Bowl champion Rams. Matthew Stafford was good last season, threw a lot of interceptions. Certainly wasn't the big difference maker as far as as winning in the Super Bowl. It was a lot more of Aaron Donald just wrecking the pocket and Leonard Floyd, Von Miller wrecking the pocket against the Bengals, right? Okay, Stafford's good. We'll give him that. But, you know, not great. You know, not a Mahomes-like, not an Allen-like player, not a Wilson-like player. Uh, sure, Rodgers is there, but, hey, <laughs> how's, how's Aaron Rodgers fared in the playoffs? Not great. Tom Brady's retired out in Tampa Bay, so he's out of the equation. And you're kind of looking around thinking, all right, who's the other guy? Is it Dak Prescott with the Cowboys? Well, the Cowboys are in cap trouble. They're going to try to get rid of Amari Cooper. They need to save money, and they need to try to figure out a number of other roster deficiencies. I don't see them being anywhere close to as good as they were last season. Uh, I'm not going to be jumping up and down about Jalen Hurts. I'm not going to be jumping up and down uh, about uh, uh, Daniel Jones out with with the Giants. Kyler Murray, his situation with the Cardinals has certainly gotten weird. You know, and I mean... Unless you're looking at some of those younger quarterbacks like the Bears' Justin Fields, suddenly somehow turning it on in year two, 
uh, it, it's hard to say that there's really anybody who's going to be extremely exciting within the NFC over the next few years, aside from some of the names that you've heard before. Now, of course, the one exception that I think we all hope uh, will come into play this year, of course, is Trey Lance, who will finally be getting that shot as the starter for San Francisco. Won't have to be worrying so much about any sort of quarterbacking controversy. He can go into this offseason knowing fully well what his anticipated role is going to be, what his expectation levels are going to be. It's not going to be, you know, dabbling back and forth. Oh, I need to keep myself ready. I need to learn. But (laughs) unless something happens, I'm holding the clipboard all season. No, none of that anymore. His level of expectations now, it's clear, it's plain. That's what's going to have to happen. Now, I want to be excited about Lance. I want to be jumping up and down and saying he's absolutely going to be in the pantheon of, of the greatest quarterbacks in 49ers history, and that's a pretty elite group. But, of course, as I try to do, is I try to keep a level head with everything that I talk about as much as possible, and it's not always easy, but as much as possible. I've seen plenty of quarterbacks, promising, young, exciting, flame out. And then given a year or two, they are still flaming out, not looking great. I don't think that'll be the case with Trey Lance, but we don't know. You know, we really don't know. So again, that's going to be the other storyline to see if Trey Lance can turn those pages and, and, and wind up being the quarterback that so many of us think he'll be. But the context is a lot easier and you have to feel a lot better now with Russell Wilson gone with the trade market for Jimmy Garoppolo likely to heat up, you know, again, maybe not getting this massive return that's going to send off oodles and oodles of first, second, third, 15th, 82nd round picks, whatever. I don't care. Uh, You're not going to get that, but at least you're going to get some more ammunition to help build a better team around Trey Lance, get more money to re-sign some key players, extend key players, that sort of thing. So, the context is certainly good for Trey Lance. It's good for the 49ers. It's good for the 49ers market for trading Jimmy Garoppolo. The NFC is a lot weaker now than it was this morning. The NFC West specifically is way more weaker now than it was this morning too. And the quarterback battles that you'll wind up seeing this upcoming year, they're probably going to be mostly focused in the AFC but they're going to be nevertheless exciting. So I'm stoked to see it, and I'm sure that there's going to be some very, 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 very big transactions coming over the next few days. And probably once we get into the start of the league new year, March 16th, things are going to get wild. Free agency is is certainly a wild time, and news can break just like that. So until then, uh, once again, I just wanted to point out as we're getting ready to close off here, if you enjoy what you hear, if you like the Niner Noise podcast, either myself with Robert Morrison, some of the guests we have on, do us that favor, leave us a five-star review, go ahead and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and as always, be sure to share the podcast with all of your 49ers family and friends. So until next time, after this very, very slow news day on a Tuesday, no big deal with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Nope, quiet, quiet day. We're going to go ahead and sign off. So let's go ahead and sound the horn, 49ers fans.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.